I'm telling you there are things that God is doing that is going to progressively help us to see that that we're weakness in weakness. And you're going to see those things and you're going to see this house grow and this is going to be the things God uses you. He's using every person from those in our nursery that are assisting our nursery to those that are working at greeting at a door or your hospitality by, by blessing someone with a prayer team or whatever you're, whatever it is that you do, we thank God for each one of you today and we appreciate you. I want to say specifically this morning, I'm thankful for our production team, those guys that sit in the back and most of the time you don't know, but you look when the sound isn't right, you look when the words aren't right, you look when there's a squeal, you look back and you go, I don't know their name, but I wish they would fix that. The music team, thank you, worship team, thank you for what you guys do. Thank you. Amen. Now, I want to look at that camera and say thank you for all of those that are watching by live stream, Facebook live stream. For those of you that are listening, maybe by podcast or, or whatever it is that you do, thank God for that. And if you think you really need to tell us that, we will inbox you and get it back to you. People that are all over, honestly, all over the Peabody, I'm not going to say all over the world, but there are a lot of states that watch this, and we appreciate you, and we thank God for each of you. Can we just give them a warm welcome for visiting with us this morning? Amen. Now, since the flu bug is kind of on the dissipated side, just, just turn and fist bump somebody and tell them it's good to see them, and then you can be seated. Amen. Amen. All right. It's such a delight again this morning to have each of you with us. Uh, we're going to be going into this morning the third installment of a series that we're in called King of My Heart. And I want to just share with you, my wife is the only one in the world that back preaches, but I'm going to share with you just a tad, just a little bit from the last two weeks. Do yourself a New Year's favor. If you have not or you missed, and many of you missed that first Sunday's installment, you need to go back and listen again or watch it on Facebook live stream. My Refuge Church, you can find us there very easily. Uh, you can listen on iTunes, My Refuge Church. We have six services this weekend. You can go to MyRefugeChurch.com. You can scroll all the way to the bottom. You can listen there. Do yourself, if you missed last Sunday, do yourself an early Christmas gift and New Year's and go watch it because if you missed it and you only saw a couple of pictures of me dressed up with a shirt that looked like I had been wallowing out in the snow or the mud and a pair of glasses, then y'all would not get what was going on. So we want you to do that. Go back, take a listen to those. So this is the third installment of that. And I'm going to be talking to you this morning about the original sin. I'm going to be talking to you about the original sin. I'm going to be sharing with you something this morning that if you can, you can leave here today with a change, you can be so different when you leave here if you listen. This might be one of those services that it would be good for you if you're a note taker to take some notes down. If you want to snap pictures of the screen, please feel welcome to do that because I really need you to get this. And then you may want to listen to it again tomorrow. We've been talking about worship. We've been talking about the definition of worship. And that's kind of where we're going today. So I'm going to give that to you as I have each week. The definition of worship is our response of love expressed to God in response to his grace toward us. To put those cookies on the bottom shelf so that everybody can get this and you can receive this this morning, that basically says if you have forgotten 
where you have been, you need to go back and remember the pit you were in before God found you. Be grateful in a way that you express that love to Him for His grace that you did not deserve. Maybe you got that this morning. So the way that you can get this idea of of worship and that you can really get that is go back, look at where you've been. Pastor, how am I going to go back and look at where I've been? Hey, scroll back on your Facebook feed a little while. Come on, somebody. Scroll back on your gram and look at what you used to do and what you were doing. Go back and watch the video that you uploaded to TikTok you wish you had not of and you hit the delete button. It'll help remind you about what things you have done and make, hey, some of you say, I'm not there, I don't do social media. Hey, go back and talk to some of your school buddies you graduated with or maybe some people that you went to college with and it'll help you to get an idea of the ways that you used to live so that you don't forget that your worship is a love expressed for the grace of God toward you, what you did not deserve. Are you on the page with me? So worship is not really worship, get this, if it's not expressed. Worship is not love if it's not in your heart. Now, I'm not going to go back to the screens that we used last week showing you the love and showing you uh, the, the Star Trek Enterprise. We went through that. If you want to see that, you need to go back to Facebook Live. But I want to give you the kind of foundational scripture that we've been using, and then we're going to go with this thing, okay? Psalms 139, verses 23 and 24 says, Search me, O God. This is David. He says, And know my heart. Somebody say my heart. Your heart that we're talking about, David talking about, is not the blood pumping vessel in the center of who you are. Your heart is where it, it's the command center of your life, and who sets there depends on everything else in your life. If Jesus is the king of your heart, then your emotions will line up, your feelings will line up, come on, your actions will line up, Everything in your life will line up. But if you allow you to be king of your heart, I'll ask you a little while later, how is that working out for you? So he said, try me and know my anxieties. Know what's going on with me and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Now, here's the thing about worship. We come up here on Sunday morning. And I, I want you to know, I need everybody to hear what I'm about to tell you. I need you to write this down, especially if you are on a dream team, you're leading one of our ministries, you're involved in that in any way, that the word God has given me for 2020, one of the things that he has specifically spoken to my heart, and that is that I am, as your pastor and your shepherd, to set this house in order. You, you, you can abbreviate it. Pastor said, setting the house in order. Why? Because if we don't have our own house in order, we're never going to fill the rest of this building. Until we get this house in order, and the responsibility does not lay on the deacons of our church, it doesn't lie with the leaders, the other leaders of our church, it relies here first, and it will trickle down. You with me? You understand what I'm saying? And worship is one of those things that we need to set in order because worship is going to be in heaven. And if you don't like worship here, you sure ain't going to like heaven. You might want to figure out something else to do. You might want to figure out somewhere else to go. And I, I hope it wouldn't be, you know, anyhow. You understand what I'm saying. If you don't enjoy worship here, you're not going to like heaven. I, I, I just don't know, Pastor. You, 
take our thoughts I'll change stuff around music gets a little bit louder too much bass in it let me tell you something can I tell you something don't go to heaven that sounds horrible doesn't it with a man who has a motto that I want to go and take as many people as I can with you because heaven's going to be a loud place Tommy it is isn't it I mean, the Bible says that around the throne of God, there are four, uh, four, uh, 44 elders who are constantly saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lamb of God. There's a constant worship of music going on. I'm going to show that to you here in just a few moments and how important it is. So you need to understand, if you're going to have a successful new year, and you're really going to move upon this worship thing that I'm talking about, you've got to settle what's been going on in your yesterday. And there's some stuff you need to clean out off your Facebook page, and there's some people you need to delete, and you don't need to re-add them, because they ain't doing nothing but dragging you down. And you're every time you read something they post, you're reading into it, and it, and they go on. So last week, we made a conscious decision, everybody that came, I said, look, I, we're going we're gonna to serve an eviction notice on the idols because in the Bible, in Exodus, God says don't have any other God before me. And anything you put on the throne of your heart becomes an idol. Anything else that rests or seats that, I don't care what it is. You say, well, I've never done drugs. I've never done alcohol. I've never done any of those other things. Yes, but you've had comparison on the seat of your heart. And comparison will kill your joy, and you've let comparison keep Jesus from ruling and reigning in your heart and in your life. Come on now. So we serve an, an eviction notice. And here's what we're going to talk about this morning. This is something that most of us men understand. Men, I'm gunning for you today. In a good way. In a good way. We understand this word called pride. We get it. Most men, you say, I'm not a prideful person. Then why did you come dressed up the way that you do this morning? Comb your hair, brush those teeth, put on underarm deodorant. Want people, you say, I don't care what people think. Yes, you do. Tell the truth and go to church. You care what other people think about you. What's bad is, thankfully, you're not having to stand here and have a hundred people critique you before you go home. And somebody say, Pastor, your pant leg just rides up on your, 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 your shoes. And I'm a little OCD, so that bothers me. You had a couple of hairs sticking out of the wrong place. You know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful for these young people that come and say, Pastor, you the coolest 60-year-old pastor we know. And the rest of y'all square. I don't know. Anyway. Pride. Listen to this. Worship attracts. God's, God's spirit. When you worship him, that's what he wants. I'm going to show you this morning. But look at this. Worship also attacks the pride in my life and your life. Worship attacks the pride in your life. I'll give you an example of this. You can have a marriage discussment. If you're married, marriage, you understand that was a word that was kind of passed to me. It's a discussion, which means you're having to cross between a discussion and an argument. When you have a marriage discussion, if you would learn in the middle of that to begin to say, you know what, before we go any further with this, I think we need to stop. We need to spend some time in worship. Why, Pastor? Why are you saying that? And refuse to, because what we do as men, we have this pride that says, I'm not wrong. He's wrong. I'm not apologizing. I'm not saying 
of us, I'm not looking, I'm not even opening my eyes. Some of us, it's not men, some of it's women. I didn't hear an amen from her, but I know it's there. I'm going to say, Jesus, help her today. Give her deliverance. That's all I know. It is a her because it has to be. It's a woman. All right. Anyway, we'll, we'll say, I'm not wrong. I'm not wrong. But listen to me. When we don't, when we refuse to do that, what we do is allow pride to have a foothold in our marriage. We let pride have a foothold. And, and it's not love seated on the heart of our, in our heart. It's not Jesus seated on our heart. Now it becomes this pride thing. I'm right. I know I'm right. I, I know she said, isn't it something? I'll give you a quick story I'm going to mention. A good friend of mine, named, his name's Paul, and I won't go any further with him than that. He pastors Jesus, much older than I am. said he and his wife are getting ready to go to a counseling service for some people. Uh, it's like a, a big, a lot of people show up there. He was scheduled to preach at 3. And they were leaving this place. It was, it was really cold, and there were these three ducks sitting on, or on this pond. And they were on this pond, and, and so anyway, he makes the, 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 the analogy, or he says, isn't that so sad? Those ducks on that pond, and they're frozen to it. Their legs are frozen to it. He's like, Paul, no, they're not. He's like, yes, they are. They're not moving. Look, they're frozen in this pond. They can't move. Isn't that sad? And, he's, and so this thing goes on and on and on and on and on and he says, I'm telling you, I'm right, you're wrong. I mean, it got into this, he's got to go preach. So he drives close by enough to the pond to honk his horn and all the birds are gone. Or the ducks do. Now he's got a choice. He either says he's wrong, which he has a choice, which he wasn't. But that's the way we look at this and the way that we do that. So when your worship to God attacks your pride, it also it also will attract God, God, but you can't do both. If you're going to worship God, you can't have pride sitting on the seat of your heart. Why is that, Pastor? Why, why are you saying that? Because when Jesus is seated on the throne of your heart, He replaces the pride with love. He replace, replaces the pride with joy. The attitude will be reflected from your life. But if you've got pride sitting there, or an attitude sitting there, I'm going to tell you something. It will keep you from worship because you cannot worship to God. Your life, it won't let you. And so it will attack that. His joy, His attitude will re be reflected in your life. Hear this. Your worship will be more of a weapon simply uh, than just an act of faith because you began to do what John 3.30 says and you decrease and He increases. Are you getting that? And let me tell you something. The devil cannot handle more of God in your life. Somebody needs to serve an addiction there. So let me transition and get to where we're going. I believe with all of my heart that God is omnipresent. Let me, that's a church word. Let me explain to you if you don't understand what omnipresent means. Omnipresent simply means that God can be everywhere at all times, whenever he desires. He's that kind of a God. He can be with me here in church right now. And he can be with me on a deer stand in the middle of the woods. Some of you men say, amen, praise you, Jesus. Y'all won't help me none this morning. He can be with you here the same way that he can be with you in a duck blind at sub-zero uh, weather, amen, with a pair of waders on up to your ears trying to shoot birds. Come on, somebody say amen. He can be. God can be anywhere. That's what omnipresent means. 
But we also believe that God is inner presence. What do you mean by that? It means that the Holy Spirit, which is the third person of the Godhead, is working in your life. We believe God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is the working agent in the church. He's the one that is working on your behalf. He's the one working in your life, that inner presence. We believe that. When Jesus went away on what we call the Mount Mount of Transfiguration, he said, I'm going to send you the comforter. The comforter was the Holy Spirit. He's going to lead you, guide you. He's going to direct you. He's going to give you that peace that passes all understanding. It's an inner presence that we have. That's how the world can be falling apart in pieces and we got some kind of peace going on in our life. That's inner presence of God. Are you with me? But there's a word that is also a word that many of us don't look at that's called the manifest presence of God. Let me explain that. Manifest presence of God, somebody say made known. Today in this church, if we had a billionaire sitting in our seat, and you didn't, and I said, hey, today we have a special guest. This person is a billionaire sitting in our presence. Some of y'all say, where he at? Where he at? Right? So you don't know who it is, but you know he's here. You know what I'm, what I'm going to tell you? His presence is here, but listen to this. He gets up out of his seat, and he goes to each person. And he starts giving out $100 bills to you get $1,000. His manifest presence is made known. You know who he is. That's the man who got the $100. Y'all got it? So we know that God is omnipresent, can be anywhere at all times. We know that. I'll tell you this. He can be more with you in a church service than he is in a deer stand. He can be more with you in a deer stand than he is in church service. That's omnipresent. Inner presence is the working of God in your life when you need Him most. Manifest presence of God is Him showing up and showing out. That's the only way I know to tell you. You're going to get it, right? That's the manifest presence of God. Now, all of this is tied in to how and when we worship. So God's desire for your life is to be... uh, to have a manifest presence in your life so it's undeniable that God's touched your heart, He's touched your life. There are many of you that have stories that God's delivered you from addiction. Y'all sitting there like, who are you talking to? Somebody. God has delivered you from addiction. He's delivered you from pornography. He's delivered you from alcohol. He's delivered you from abuse. God has delivered, listen to me, God wants in your life for you to worship Him in such a way that His manifest presence says, you know what, something has happened in their life that they could not do for themselves that changed them and made them into another person. Come on, somebody. God's greatest desire for you is to worship Him. Come on, worship Him. Why worship Him? Worship Him with your life. Hey, Jesus is king of my heart. I go to church on Sunday. There's no questions about that. If the kids are throwing up sick, we make sure they don't have fever, but we try to get them to church because they need the word. Amen. God wants you to worship him. His greatest desire is for you to worship him with your life. I want everybody to listen to me. That worship isn't just a Sunday morning experience. 
Sunday morning's just a tip of it. You can't get to know me, and I can't get to know you on a Sunday morning level. Wednesday night, you need to you need to show. That's a that's another that's another element of your worship. That's another element of what you need. I don't know about you, but I need Jesus on Sunday, but I need him on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, too. Because on Sunday, I pretty much got it going on because me and Jesus got this thing. But on Monday morning, it's like the enemy knows how to push my buttons, knows the text he wants to send me. Come on, somebody. Knows the person who's going to call me and say, this is going on, that's going on. And the enemy says, hey, I'm going to, come on. Y'all ain't never been there, but I have. Listen to this. He wants you to worship him with your kids, with your finances. Listen to this. And worship Him even when people treat you badly. I've been teaching a lesson to some some folks. Some of them are related to me. That God is not interested in how much you can speak in tongues, dance around these altars, shout, and all these other things if your attitude and your response is bad when other people do you wrong. He said to love those that persecute you. Love them that do wrong to you. Those that hate you. Listen to me. The world will not know the king of your heart if you respond like the devil. Come on, somebody. Listen to this. When you get into a situation that you don't like, hear me. God wants you to have a response to that situation that still looks like God. From the job, from your marriage, with your kids, in your finances. So today we know, somebody say God's greatest desire is for us to worship. But did you know that the enemy has a desire? And Satan's greatest desire is what has caused him to get dismissed from heaven. And I want to give that to you as quickly as I can. It's amazing to me that any great team, let's just say football, any great team has studied their opponents. They watch film clips. They know what's going to go on. They know the plays that are going to be made. They know the flea flickers. They know the trick plays. They know everything and when it's done. And as Christians, we know everything about what's going to happen in the Super Bowl, but we fail to know our greatest opposition in life. We know and teach our kids based off that, who the players are, collect the cards. We make sure they've got all of that stuff, but we fail to teach and know our opponent's greatest strategy. And let me tell you, if you know anything about any game, whether it's war strategy or playing football or baseball, it's important to know who your opponent is. Can I get an amen? A Baptist amen, Presbyterian amen, Methodist amen, Church of God amen, AG church, come on somebody. I don't care, just a good amen. It's true. And because we do that, we, we, we allow the enemy to do something to us. And because we fail there, we allow Satan to attack our insecurities, our thoughts and our actions. And he's allowed to manipulate us by our opponents. Hang with me. Let's do a little study why Lucifer, now Satan, has become the enemy. Look at Isaiah 14, verses 12 through 15. Hang with me for just a few moments. We're going to get through this quickly as we can and teach something this morning. Y'all ready? Here it is. It says, how are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? You've got to remember that Lucifer was what his name was when he was in heaven. We think of Lucifer, we think of 20 horns, pitchforks, all of this stuff. The truth of it is, Lucifer.
most beautiful angel in heaven. Have y'all on that page with me? And he says, how you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations, for you have said in your, where did he say it? Heart. I will. Oh, my. Let me teach you something. When you say will, what you're really saying is my desire is. Okay? There are five I wills that need to get out of this. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mountain of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend into heights of the clouds. Look at this. I will be like capital M, capital H, most high. I will be like God. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, hell. That's, that's what that term means. To the lowest depths of the pit. Are y'all, y'all following with me? The five I will statements were this. I will be lifted up. I will be exalted. I will be worshipped. I will be like God. That's what he said. Pride was found in these I will statements. And it is something, look at this, that we don't like. But all of us are born with it. What got Satan kicked out of heaven, the original sin wasn't what Adam and Eve did. The original sin was here long before Adam and Eve. This was written before Adam and Eve. The original sin was pride. Everybody say pride with me. This pride was the issue in his life, and it's the issue that all of us have been born with. All of us deal with this thing on the inside after we become even born again or Christian. What do you mean by that, Pastor? We still got ready, messed over, residue. You know what the problem is? We want to be lifted up. We want what we want. We want our way. We want to be respected. A lot of the things that we do, but here's what happens. When we allow this pride that becomes, there is a good pride. You need to brush your teeth. Please don't comb my brushes. Please comb through your nappy hair. Put on some deodorant. You know what I'm saying? Y'all with me on this? Do those things. That's a good pride to have. But the sad pride is to say, you know what? I deserve this. My desire is this. Satan said, five I wills, I desire to be lifted up. I desire to be like the Most High, to be like God. But hear this, the, the, that pride issue, even though we've given our hearts to pride, a lot of times is left over in our life, but worship, when we worship God with a heart of love, corrects our posture because we realize we're a son and a daughter of the King of Kings who is seated on the throne of our heart. I have nothing to prove to anyone. I have nothing that I need to do to make you like me or to love me. Well, Pastor, I don't really like you. That's okay. You don't have to. you got to love me to get to heaven. Same goes for me. You may not like certain things. You may not like, you know, the hair. You may not like the clothes. You may not like, and that's okay. That's up to you. You have the right to be wrong in those areas. But I have no choice but to love you. But would this world, why 
why do we dress different? Why do we change the style? This is what we do. I don't really think purple and gold looks good on me. Tennessee orange fits me better. That's me. That's me. Some of y'all look good in it. But just wait, we're coming. Okay, here we go. So the first thing, as we go as quick as we can here, Satan's first desire, look at this with with verse uh, 21. Verse 11, uh, 14 of verse 11 says, Your pomp, or your pride, is brought you down to hell, or Sheol, and the sound of your strange instruments. I need worship team, and I need prayer team to listen close to what I'm going to tell you because we're setting the order for things. My wife has not even looked at this handkerchief. She has no idea what I'm about to say. She's sitting there saying, Jesus, please don't let him say anything stupid today. You pray for me. I'm going to go into preacher mode a little bit, which means I'm going to preach and teach to you a little bit. I want to share something with you real quickly, Brother David. I want to share something with you, uh, to some of you, uh, Brother Gary, uh, to Pastor Ted, to some of you that this is your, your, your thought. I want to want to give you this just just don't listen to everybody that yells into a microphone because sometimes yelling is just annoying it's not anointed and I'm watching people be led astray by people who are not shepherds but want to be they just lead or they try to lead listen to what look at me and hear me watch my mouth if you think you're a leader but you ain't got anybody following you you're just going on the wrong walk. The sad part of it is there are people who are leading, but they're not shepherds. A shepherd cares for his people, loves them, directs them, tells them, hey, this is, this is what the Lord has said. This is what God is saying in our house. This is what we need, how we need to live. You need to at least give attention to it and pray over it. Satan desired more than anything else was to be worshipped. Inside of him was built in strange instruments, okay? And as I began to share with you, the reason I said what I did about yelling into a microphone, because when I say I'm going into preacher mode, I want you to understand that sometimes teaching is the only way that I can get you the meat that I want to get to you. Because sometimes people want the sweetness, which, man, he fired it up today. They, he, it looked just like 50 miles to, you know, Pocono Rock, 50 miles to a water pole, and man, that was good preaching. Every time somebody yells in a microphone, it does not mean that it's good or anointed. Hear me. Sometimes you need to roll back and you need to teach and you need to tell them, look, I, I, I know you want the sweetness of this, but I'm going to give you the meat of it. Let's get some meat on your bones. I want you, to, I want you to live like you're living. And I mean that spiritually, not physically. That's what, and I don't mean that I'm all of that in a bag of chips. I'm just saying this is what we need to do. We need to do this every now and again. So, Understand that when Jesus, I'm going to take you on a little journey here. You remember when Jesus was talking to Peter and Jesus was about to be crucified and Peter was like, no, Jesus, no, you're not going to be crucified. No, you can't. No, no, no. And Jesus turns and looks at Peter. You remember this? He looks at Peter and he says, Satan. Now, he was not directing that to Peter. Listen to me. He was directing it to the spirit that Peter was that was pushing Peter. Are you, are you with me? I, I'm trying to get the right words there. But he's, he's talking to the spirit behind Peter. That would make more sense than anything else. When we read in Ezekiel, where we're about to read, there's a king named Tyre there. 
he's mentioned, but he's talking not to the king of Tyre. He's talking to Lucifer because he, when, he, when the script, there's only three people in the garden, Adam, Eve, and Lucifer. Now, other than the other than the omnipresent God who is there everywhere, there's only three people. Are you with me? The king of Tyre was not there. Ezekiel 28, verses 12 through 17. Son of man, take up lamentations to the king of Tyre and say to him, speak these words. Thus says the Lord, somebody say you were, past tense, it's already been done, the seal of perfection. He's talking to Lucifer, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Go ahead, Paul. You were, where was he? He was in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was recovered. Sardis, topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, uh, emerald, and gold. I don't have time to preach here. If you've been here on Wednesdays before, you know I've preached that these represent the nine gifts of the Spirit and how they relate. The workmanship of your timbrels, y'all see that? You can look to them there. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes. Timbrels is percussion. Stringed instrument, timbrel is percussion. Used to, man, I hated it so bad. That next to the last song that they would sing, the timing is, is a little bit funny, so they clapped it. I always said in my heart, Michael will understand what I'm about to say. Y'all don't turn around and look at Michael. White people can't clap. Not on time, you say. Amen. Michael, amen. Thank you. When they would bring a tambourine in their church, somebody shows up with a tambourine in their church and comes like this. Because I played. I played bass, I played guitar, and, and every now and again sit down on a keyboard, and, and you just time it, and it's like, and you're like, and I'm like, this one. No timing. Timbrel was tam- is the word we use for tambourine. It's percussion. Y'all with me? Pipes. Somebody say wind instruments. We've got wind instruments, we've got percussion, and we've got wind instruments. Was prepared for you in the day that you were created. Now let me move on. The Bible says to kill iniquity. It says the anointed cherub who covers you. Anointed cherub is speaking of, hey, y'all look to them. We've got music coming up. Anointed cherub is an angel. That's what it's speaking of. That's what it's talking about. I established you. God established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. Say what for? You were the perfect. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created. Look at this. Until iniquity was found in you. It's not sin until it gets in you. Y'all got it? Not sin until it gets in you. So Lucifer, who was in the beginning was in heaven, he's leading worship, he has built into his self, do the study, I've done it up, down, sideways, back, forward, in reverse, Greek, Hebrew, everything I can find. He had built into him timbrels, tambourines, percussion, he had pipes, which is wind instruments, he had strings built into his being, notice that, listen to me. Do I have anybody who ever played the banjo keys? Beautiful. They would tell you, been telling you before, on our first day, every instrument falls away. Every cabinet falls. 
was an instrument used to lift up God until the Bible says that pride entered into his heart and was found in him. Get this. Lucifer was leading the worship in heaven until he desired to be the one being worshipped and he took what he took what God intended to pass through him to lift up God and said, I want back for myself what God had intended for himself first. Say it again. Lucifer led it. He played it. He's got the wind. He's got the strings. He's, he's got the percussion. He's leading the choir. And God wanted his worship, listen to this church, to pass through him. But, but Lucifer said, he lifted himself up with pride, said, you know what? what? What is happening that's passing through me to God, I really want to happen for me. So the five I will statements come in, and he says, I want to be lifted up on high. Satan's greatest desire is to be worshipped. There's only two beings. And I'm going to say, I'm going to say ultimate beings that we look at. I don't care how you term it, how you whatever, but categorize. You've got God in heaven, and you've got Satan, who will eventually end up in Hades or hell or the eternal lake of fire, which he will never return from. And you're either going to worship God. Study it. I, I challenge you to study it. So here's what I'm going to show you. Now, there's angels. I need worship team. I need prayer team. This is what I'm about to say. Set in order. God is a God of order. This house needs to be countable and reclaimable. When God was setting up archangels or archangels, the, the, the main angels, the cherubim, he, he brought to us three to the forefront. The first one that he brought was a, an angel named Gabriel. Gabriel's job was to bring the word. He was the one that went to Mary to tell her she's going to have a son. Brought the word. You got that? The next one that we find, I love this one. Michael. I just, I don't know, I love it. Michael was the warring angel. He was the one in the scriptures where the person, uh, the person was praying, and I, Michael said, I'm trying to get to you, but I was hindered because this angel got in the way there. Okay, that He was the warring angel or the angel, listen to this, of prayer. Lucifer ruled over the worship. Notice something when we come together in the service. Hear this, worship team, prayer team, y'all got to get this and write it down. Because I'm going to hold you to it. When we come into a service, experience, whatever you want to call it, there are three elements of the service. We are going to have worship. We are going to have word. And we're going to have prayer. Listen to me real quick. Okay, I've been in church a long time. I've never heard that. Help us. Bethany will tell you in our time every day when we have prayer and while we're doing 21 days of prayer that we love and we're enjoying and having a good time doing that, we'll have three elements in that. We're following along with Pastor Chris right now. The, the first thing is we're going to have some worship. 
he's going to have about five to maybe ten minutes of word, and then we're going to have prayer. It's going to be your personal time, your the teacher, your personal time. When you get up in the morning, when you go to bed in the evening, you need to have a time of worship, word, and prayer. Make sense? God is a God of order. That's why in these services, they're specific. We, we, sometimes God breaks out, and we do things that are out of the normal. About a month and a half, two months ago, I said, God wants us to sing this one more song. Why you, Pastor? Because if you want to study this any way you want to look at it, I'll challenge you if you want to challenge me. That as long as whoever is standing here in this pulpit, he is the one carrying the mantle that's bringing the word. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. That's why when we have a special guest preacher here, pastor, whoever he is, when he calls that altar time, I don't jump up to that altar and start doing anything because he's the one carrying that. Do you understand that? You get that? You follow that? There's, because God's a God of order. He just is. So I, I say, hey, and he knows it's before service. I'm here to help you. I'll pray for people. Don't ask me to catch them. My back's bothering me when I do. If you're going to lay them on the floor, you better get somebody else to do it. If they fall, they're going to hit the floor. If it wasn't in God, I'll pray for them later because they wasn't in God's spirit. <laughs> Brother David, I'm preaching truth. I've been in this thing a long time now. I know I don't look 50, but I am. 1979, I got in this thing. I have seen people get in the spirit of God, break through a bunch of folding chairs through the middle of a church backwards, get and bend three or four of them totally out of shape that were no bigger than Cameron, go all the way through the back doors, praising God, turn around, come back in, and didn't know a thing in the world. The problem that we got today is we got too many people who are trying to program what God wants to do, but also fails to recognize there's an order to what God wants to do, and he will not move out of his order. So the reason the enemy wants to get us out of order is to get prayer li- or to get pride lifted up instead of prayer. That's ex- that's exactly right. All right, let me move on. We got it's ten minutes, and I'm trying to do this. So y'all want to move to ten minutes? Make sure you move to ten. Everybody, you love you, pastor. Come on, show me. Y'all love me. I love you guys. I love you. I really do. You gray-haired folks like me, y'all are y'all. Close to my heart. And, and y'all, some of you say, you're just young, Pastor. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. And then you you young people that look at me and say, Pastor, you know, you ain't quite our age, but we thank you still. Thank you. I love you guys. I really do. I love you guys. Because, see, here's the thing. I'm in that thing that I don't really fit. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I can't get, I'm not supposed to get coffee at McDonald's for 50 cents yet on the senior discount. But I also can't get a meal for those under 12 either. You know what I'm saying? I'm kind of in the middle. Y'all with me? Y'all just pray for your pastor. Amen? Pray for your pastor. I love you guys. Look at this. In Ezekiel 28, 16, this is going to be deep. Y'all got a few more minutes? Listen to this. I'm I'm teaching. Y'all stay seated. I'm I'm teaching. It's all right, Pastor. Ezekiel 28, 16, there's a word mentioned in it. This is New King James. Most of these scriptures are New King James. 
pick one act up and you just want to keep on reading the other where you got the bees in the vow or you got vows with the bees. We don't speak the King James in here, but so this is King James. So I want to keep on the King James level so you feel good about yourself. You don't need to know it. All right, here we go. In 28.16, it mentions a word called trading, which speaks of merchandising. I need you to get that. In the Hebrew, there was not a word to give us the picture that we need. In other words, it's a strong enough picture to actually do it. So what they did was they gave us this word called trading, which really what we know as merchandising. Are you ready? You ready? Nelson, your kids will understand this. You know, eBay, Amazon, all that kind of stuff. Here's what was going on. The picture of this is if someone sells you an item, and that item costs $300, or that, they say, I'm going to sell you this item for $300. And you agree to that price. They're working for someone in a store. They put 200 of it on the books or into the cash register, but they take and pocket the other 100 Lucifer was taking what was intended for God, look at me, and committing spiritual embezzlement. He wanted the worship. He wanted it all. So Satan was kicked out of heaven because he wanted to share the glory that all of it belonged to God. Your tithe. Your tithe does not belong anywhere else except in the storehouse. I'll debate it with you. I could take you down the road back, possibly to Florida, then you come back. It belongs nowhere but in the storehouse. Listen to me. If you take it anywhere else other than the storehouse, what you're doing is taking what belongs to God, and that becomes embezzlement. It becomes stealing. It becomes what God is saying. Read Malachi 3.10. I, I got another whole message I've not even preached on that because I'm trying, I'm trying to help you, but I need you to understand this isn't about your pastor. This isn't about me getting a paycheck. This isn't about you clapping to me and saying, good job, pastor. You've done well. This is about me wanting you to understand that if Jesus is sitting on the, on the seat of your heart, then these things like worship and giving is worship and tithing is worship. If you let him sit on the uh, seat of your heart, you won't have issues with it. If you're sitting there and you say in your heart, Pastor, just directing this to me, that's called conviction. Because that's not true. My heart is that you're obedient to God and you're blessed in your life to have, listen to this, overflow. That when you leave the house because you've had some worship, some word, and some prayer, you've got an overflow in your heart that you've got the joy of the Lord that is in your, it's your strength, it's your joy when you show up to the job and Satan himself meets you at the door. He says, I know you've been in church, but I'll drag you back to hell right where you belong with me. And you just remind him, you're a, you're a child of the king, and hell was created for him, and not you. You love him with your whole heart, and you refuse to listen to him. Get you a shirt that says, not today, Satan, and stick to it. That's for those that wanted to hear me preach. It's not true. I, I'm sharing it. Go back and listen. 
just over again. I don't want you to misunderstand me. The second thing that Satan wants to do, again, we're real close here. He wants to, his desire now is to steal your worship. Look what he does. He begins to take it from you. Matthew 4, 8 through 9. I'll give you these verses. And again, this is Satan. Jesus has been in the wilderness on a 40-day fast, which means he's not eating. He's not checking his social media. He's not updating it. He's not watching TV. He's on a 40-day fast. And he says to him, look at this, all these things, he showed him the kings of the heaven, he said, all these things, Satan says to Jesus, I will give to you. What up with that? It's going to belong to him anyway. Hold on. John teaches us, I'm, I'm flipping this so much. John says that he is now, because Adam and Eve relinquished their right in the garden, hear me, his right is the God of this world. Guess what? I know you've heard preachers and pastors yell at you and tell you differently. I, I, I promise you, I stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with them. The Word says that He's the God of this world, which means when they relinquish His will, well, what about Christ dying on the cross, redeeming our sins? That's true, past, present, future, all of that. You're right. But all of that will, and I can't go this far because we'd go this far, it's going to mess somebody up, but it will not be over with and completely belong back to Jesus until the day that he stands, and we're going to talk about that, gathers from the four corners of earth all the evil and or all the righteous and destroys the wicked. And it will happen. I know it's further than we've got time to go today. But I want you to notice this one thing. He wants to steal your worship. He said, I'll give it to you, Jesus. Look at this. If you fall down and worship me. So Jesus tempts him, wants him to worship him, but he mentions this posture of worship. He says, fall down. You know what that means? That means that that worship needed to be expressed. In other words, this is how you're going to prove to me that you're going to worship me, is when you fall down and you worship me. Super Bowl, February 17th, coming up in maybe two months, two years. They're going to be shouting. They're going to be clapping. They're going to be raising their hands. All because the Patriots aren't going again <laughs> after that performance. I'm a Patriots fan. I apologize for that. Seriously, they're going to express their love to something they can produce for you and me. The majority of the men that are in here, our gender, are the majority of those at those games that will do that. Oh, come on now. That will stand in church and say, I just, I just want to, I just want to. But yet God, in all of his glory, in all of his grace, in all of his mercy, has delivered you from alcohol, delivered you from drugs, delivered you from a porn addiction, saved your marriage when you were an adulterer, Whether you wear work clothes or church clothes.
express worship when God wants to worship. If your kids, your grandkids, are watching you and they will emulate what you do and not hear what you say. And if Satan's greatest desire is to be worshipped, and his second thing is to steal your worship, listen to this. If Satan's greatest desire is to fill your heart up so much with pride or religiousness to try to keep you from expressing worship, listen to me. If Satan can't steal your worship, shut it down, listen to me, he'll distract it. He'll distract it. Hang on. Roll with me on this. He will distract your worship. How will he distract your worship? You know what the pastor just said? I like that. Let me tell you something. You don't you don't shoot you, you don't shoot the poster. You don't shoot the delivery guy. I'm just delivering the message. I can I can back what I'm telling you by the word of God. If Satan can't kill your worship, he'll distract you. What do you mean by that, Pastor? I'll tell you what I mean by that. If he can keep you from worshiping God, social media, career, family, anything that takes your time, job. Satan does not care that you came to church if all that's on your mind is what's happening after church. Guys, help me. I got a preacher from Tennessee that lives in my home.
not some pansy that came to earth, but he is much of a man who died, is resurrected, now seated at the right hand of the Father. Will you let him sit on your heart today? Somebody lift up and give Jesus praise. Come on, lift up and give Jesus praise. Holy, holy, holy. Holy is the Lamb of God. My, 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 my.